With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Thank you for joining us once again. A lot going on currently in the world of mixed martial arts. A lot happened this past Saturday in the world of MMA, most notably at UFC 275. What an event that was in Singapore. We have a brand new UFC light heavyweight champion after absolutely incredible 24-plus minute battle. Valentina Shevchenko remains the UFC women's flyweight champion, although she was tested in a big way by Tyler Santos. We saw the emergence of a former champion, the reemergence, I mean, of a former world champion, and the retirement of another. Saw some breakout performances and a whole bunch more. The card was great. UFC back in the States this week in Austin, Texas. We're going to talk about all those things I just mentioned and much more with the esteemed panel. And they are super esteemed because we don't have Jed Mishu this week. Woohoo! First, just kidding. <laughs> One of the great, great, great feature writers in the sports world, not just in MMA, but in all of sports, the deputy editor for MMAfighting.com, my friend and yours, the great Shaheen Alshadi. Welcome back, sir. Thank you for doing this. What's going on, Mike? I, I, I'm glad to be back. I appreciate you having me. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful day outside. It's a wonderful week. I hope everyone out there is having a great time. Let's have some fun. That's right. And I am uh, apparently in Dublin, which is fantastic, as we are also joined by the Prince Positivity, who is happy to join a Jedless panel. He might feel like I've strayed him or maybe set the wrong expectations, but let's see what the co-host of On to the Next one has to say about that. Mr. Alexander I Kaley. Was, I was told, hello, my best friend. I was told this would be a non-confrontational <laughs> exhibition bout. Uh, a la Floyd Mayweather, Asakura, or 
Flip Floyd Mayweather and that guy he beat up in Abu Dhabi recently. Uh, and now I, I see a tweet go out. I see the word versus in there. It, I start to feel all sweaty. My anxiety is going up, but I'm, I'm getting it together. I mean, if this is going to, you know, listen, I'm from people know I'm from the hood. You got to be ready to throw down at the, the mean streets of Markham. You got to be ready to throw down. At, <laughs> you got ready to throw down Markham, Ontario. The, the, you got to be ready to throw down at any moment. So if it's got to be a fight on the record, it's fine. My record's taking enough hits as it is, you know. I can, it's time to get it's time to put a W up there. Hey, I'm out here to with be a fair. record as well now. So, like, I didn't even know that how that happened, but it happened apparently. Well, we're all going to win. And, and the message originally was, any interest in BTL, there's no Jed, some friendly competition. That's what uh -huh. it said. And you said, I'm in. Friend Just turn in AK and us against each other. Look at friendly. this. Friendly. Friendly. This show is not friendly by nature. <laughs> well, maybe we can change the show's course forever and ever. But let's start with some emotion. The incredibly emotional, incredibly grit-filled main event of UFC 275 this past Saturday. Yuri Prohashka versus Glover Teixeira. What a fight. Yuri gets it done with a stunning late submission. The fight went the way absolutely nobody expected it to go. This was a one-way traffic prediction all around for either guy, depending on who you ask. We got the type of fight nobody expected, the type of specific result that no one expected. Just a whole bunch of unexpected stuff here, Sean Elshadi, because the expectations from a stylistic perspective were so high, but it was more of a matter of, can Yeri keep it on the feet? Can he not keep it on the feet? In the end, both men did extremely well in the other's universe. The swings were aplenty. Was it the most technical battle? Absolutely not. Was it a damn fight? You damn skippy it was. And we've had a few days to reflect on this battle, Sean Alshadi. Was this the best result the UFC could ask for? Because we got a fight of the year contender. Both guys stock rose quite a bit. Yuri got his finish in a, such a strange fashion. The hype behind him continues to rise. Now there's more options for him as the champion. Was this the best case scenario for the UFC? Or was it not that ideal in the long run? Best case scenario. That's an interesting question, and that's an interesting way to frame it, I guess, because ultimately what we got out of it was a fight that was easily the front runner for fight of the year, right? Um, a fight that I think is either the best light heavyweight title fight that we've ever gotten in the UFC or the second best, depending on where you want to put Jones Gustafson one. Uh, I can understand Jones Gustafson, you putting Jones Gustafson one above it for significance. Um, just in, that feels like a more important fight just in terms of the history of the sport, but just in terms of pure fun, like that's probably the most fun title fight that we'll, we have ever seen at 205 pounds. And you're right. The options that we now have sort of sitting in front of us are all very fun. Like I, I have been saying for a bit, I've been banging the drum that I actually really enjoy this 205 pound division in its current iteration. Uh, we, we're kind of I think reaching the end point of this weird middle ground that we had in the post Jones, post DC era, it feels as if we're starting to find some level of footing, but we're still not there yet. And it's really fun to the, the, the journey to get to that point, right? Of see, because I always love when you take a dominant champion who has been so dominant for so long out of a division and just kind of blow it up and see what happens and see who, who floats and who, who sinks. I always really love that dynamic, and we have been going through that over the last couple of years with Jan and Glover and now Yiri. feels like Yiri is obviously the youngest of all of them. He's obviously uh, the most entertaining dude that any of us have ever seen in our lives. Like He's just genuine, genuine fun. Like If you have that guy as your champion, you can't 
hate on the result at all. Like that's a great result for you regardless. Uh, the thing is like, I think myself and a lot of people wonder, can Yuri actually keep this going though, right? Because he fights so wild, he's so free. He was 28 seconds from losing that fight against the 42-year-old Glover Teixeira on Saturday. Like all of it, it was just tremendous theater. It, it has led to, as we sit now, you know, you could go the Glover rematch. You could go the giant yawn fight in Europe, which that would probably be such a cool scene spectacle, especially after seeing the the parade that would greeted Yuri uh, in the Czech Republic. Like that was who who saw that coming of just thousands and thousands and thousands of his countrymen out there celebrating like this was the biggest milestone in the world. Like that is so cool to see every time we get a little glimpse into what this means for all these different countries because uh, we just don't have that in the United States, right? But when you see Jan going back to Poland and being greeted like that or Yuri going back to the Czech Republic and being greeted like that. It really is so cool and it lets you know just how global this whole thing is. So I love where we're at. I love where this division's at. I think this belt could continue to get passed around like a hot potato over the next couple title defenses before maybe it finds a true home. But that is really fun to me. And ultimately, I I, I think this division more, is more fun now than it has been since, I would even say, the pre-Jones era, like the era of Chuck and Rampage and all those guys. Because the Jones era was fun, but it was a different kind of fun, right? There was a lot you, – you always went into the fights – more or less knowing what was going to happen, more or less having a good understanding of what was going to happen. And John, as he progressively got farther and farther into the title run, more reserved with with his chances he was taking. It was less entertaining fights overall just as you go through it. Uh, whereas this, this is so much fun. So I love it. I absolutely love where we're at right now. AK, what do you think? Because we saw this fight going a bunch of different ways not the way that it actually went. So is was this actually the best case scenario, the way it played out, or did we take a little bit too much from both of these guys? No, I don't, I don't see how a fight like this can hurt either guy's reputation, can hurt the UFC, can hurt the division, can hurt the, the, the light heavyweight title. All of it, I think, was, was, was great, 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 great stuff. Because, um, look, even if, like we said, uh, we like to see dominant champions. You know, the, if, you, if you find the right dominant champion, man, that can take a division to an, another level. It can make the company so much money. It can grow the fan base. But if Teixeira had won, we, you know, he's already talked about he's going to retire. So we weren't getting a dominant title run coming off of this win anyway unless the share decided if he'd be Prohashka like oh man I I could go for another I could go for another three years I'm I'm, I'm fed. this is amazing uh but you know we knew that wasn't going to happen so this was absolutely the best case scenario um I still think there's big fights ahead for uh, Glover in the future Prohashka has a ton of star power and the fact that there's a chance that this was like the first time a lot of uh, a lot of people saw Yuri Prohashka. He's only had two UFC fights. You know, we know we know there's a large segment of the fan base that does not watch anything except for the UFC. They easily could have missed those first two fights. So if this was their first time, they're going like, "Oh, I want to see what this, what the big deal is with this Prohashka guy." They got the total package. They got all the excitement. They got the charisma. They got the they got the highs. They got the lows. They saw the striking. They saw his grappling, his submission skills. So you, you it was it was really you see his resilience. It was really definitely a best case scenario for him. The only guy who was not, you know, a best case scenario for, of course, is, is, is Glover Teixeira. And even then, he can now say he is one half of arguably the greatest fight that we have ever seen. I mean, that, that is that is something that win or lose, no one can take away from you. It's why I think we still we still think so highly of like Rory McDonald. It's why we do podcasts about guys, dedicate podcasts 
to guys like Carlos Condit. Uh, it's it's why guys like Vanderlei Silva always made fresh in our minds, no matter what their whatever their record looks like when when their career is over. Um, being part of a great fight, of an all time great fight. I don't want to say it's equal to having you know won won a championship and defended it a couple of times, but man, it is up there. It is up there. And also for it to cap off what was an event that a lot of us in the media and just people in general were kind of like, you know, looking at it as somewhat of a just it was just like a three fight card. It really capped off was what ended up having a strong undercard, a bunch of memorable moments. Uh, a lot of other things we could have been talking about, you know, uh, Zhang's KO could have been the biggest story. Uh, the, the Shevchenko Santos controversy. I think. The, the the main event ended up being the most talked about thing and that's that's a great thing for the UFC that's what you always want that's that's the goal that's why you make a fight the main event uh so kudos to both men because uh, I think I think they pulled it off and lived up to the billing and and beyond now the big question and we'll talk aftermath and the future and a whole bunch of these other storylines that you mentioned around too but we had some time to reflect AK you met you said the word arguably. So now we're getting off the fence here because now that we've had this time to think back on this one, we've probably thought about other fights that it's being compared to. Where does this fight rank now? Is this one of the great fights of all time? Is it one of the great title fights? Or as I've actually seen some people say, is this a little overrated because it wasn't that technical? Is this not even the best fight of 2022 so far, AK? Where are we at? I love making lists. I love ranking things. I keep a lot of sort of internal, uh, you know, just ranking things sitting around on my computer. So it's fun. It, it is fun to say, obje- you know, try to make some sort of objective statement about what is and what is and isn't the best. But I don't want to get off the fence, Mike. What is the? Fu- I want. It, it's actually kind. Of, <laughs> it's actually kind of fun being on the fence in MMA uh, as, when you're just ranking things because, listen, this is sports in general, especially today. It's it's it you know it's a what have you done for me lately business and MMA is arguably the most the most what have you done for me lately uh, of all the uh, all the sports out there today so look if someone saw this fight and their feel their feeling coming out of it is this the greatest fight they've ever they've ever seen and a week later they still feel the same way and a month from now they still feel the same way I'm not going to dispute it it doesn't it doesn't take away from from like the other amazing fights we've seen. It also depends what you're looking for. This wasn't the most technical fight. This did look sloppy at times. This had moments of frustration. Uh, you know, a glove to share, jumping for that ghillie. Uh, uh, Hachka, every time he put himself in position to get tripped or taken down or just pushed over, it was frustrating. Regardless of who you were rooting for, there was moments where you were like, why is this guy doing this? Why is this guy doing this? But I think because it connected on such a – like on that level with with people who were so involved in the – as indirectly, anyway. Sorry, with the decision making, with 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 everything that happened. I mean, again, you can isolate any two, three minute section of this fight, and there's like five, six, seven things you could you could want to cheer and want to scream about. That's amazing. That's really hard to do. Like, it's hard to manufacture a matchup that gives you that. Much less a UFC championship matchup. Again, we've had some great fights, and and, and they're great for different reasons. This one, I, I would hope the sloppiness adds to it. Um, you know, in 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 uh, in professional wrestling, you know, which I'm sure everyone here, everyone and all of our our viewers and listeners love. There's you know sometimes sometimes you will botch, sometimes you will mess up moves. You know, pro, you know spoiler for everyone, pro wrestling is uh, is uh, predetermined. You know, they're not actually fighting, uh, but there's sequences where people will mess up the moves, and people will call that a botch, and they say, oh, it ruined the match. For me, when I see a botch, when I see something kind of sloppy, it actually kind of adds to the realism. It actually makes it seem uh, more real, especially if the 
if the action can sort of be recovered and sort of carry on from there in a meaningful way. And that's, I think, what the best wrestlers do and also what the best fighters do is like, yeah, they're going to make mistakes. It's a fight. They're getting punched in the head a lot. They're going to make crazy tactical errors. Can they fight through it? Can they keep going? Can they can they get back to their strength or can they fight, you know, fight from a position of weakness? That's so awesome. And we saw so much of that uh, at, in the UFC 275 minute event. So I was just like, I was nonstop thrilled. And for me, the the mistakes, if that's what you want to call them, are a feature and not a bug. My favorite fight of all time is uh, it's probably a tie, Robbie Lawler, Roy McDonald 2, Robbie Lawler, Carlos Condit. But I mean, I would put this up there with either of them. I would gladly watch, if I could only watch one fight for the rest of my life and you told me that this was it, more than happy, satisfied. John, what say you? How high are you willing to rank this fight? We talked about it on Saturday. We had some some bold picks. Some people saying it was the greatest fight ever, greatest title fight of all time. Well, one person like, saying that. One yeah. person saying that. You were not that person. You were the slow no. your roll, just a tad guy. So where are we at now after four days of reflection? I think it's certainly up there, right? Because a lot of what AK said is right on the money, whereas you look at the great fights of all time – they're almost, a lot of them are split up into almost just chapters, right? Where it's maybe round one is one chapter, round two is another chapter, and each chapter is vastly different from the other. You get you know vacillations with the momentum. Momentum goes up, momentum goes down, somebody's up, somebody's down, that type of thing. And that creates really that wild ride over 15 or 25 minutes. The fun one about this, though, on Saturday was each individual round can almost be brought broken up into like mini chapters, right? Because you had... Yuri was on top or in control for like two minutes, then it would switch and then Glover would be in control. And then all of a sudden Yuri's almost done. Then almost Glover is almost done. Like it was just the back and forth nature of it wasn't even confined to rounds is just so much as 20 minute, 20 second sequences, one minute sequences. And that was almost exhausting by the end, right? Like it was just once we reached that finish line of Yuri just gutting out this incredible submission that none of us saw coming with 28 seconds left to, to steal this away, like everyone's adrenaline was just 100 out of 100 at that point. So it was easy in the moment to sort of let those things run wild. I wouldn't say that it's the greatest fight of all time. I wouldn't say it's really probably not even in the top five, but it's definitely like in the conversation just to be in there of the best fights of all time, the most fun fights of all time. I agree with AK in regards to, I don't really care if it's, the most technical fight or not like you give me what you gave me on saturday i'll take that every weekend and i'll be thrilled with it right because that was just fun it was I, i've said the word fun a couple times but that's really what that was that as a viewing experience it was just complete and total fun to ride that ride all the way through um so i would say maybe it's it's on the short list of the best fights of all time definitely on the short list of the best fights in recent memory but it's it's certainly like i i have Robbie Lawler, uh, several of his his fights, the Condit fight and the, the McDonald fight, I would put above it. There are probably others I would put above it as well if I really sat down and th- think about it. But um, it's it's up there, man. Like you can't fault it at all. And I would be stunned if we're not talking about this fight come December once we're doing award season. Hundred uh, percent. Like like we said earlier, so much came out of this card, and we're going to talk about a lot of it right now. More on the aftermath of two seventy five. But the point for round one goes to Sean Elshadi. One to nothing. All right. <laughs> look at AK's face. <laughs> I love it. Friendly competition. Look at the look. Wow. I love it. Never you, seen AK. you look What's like up? that, AK. Yeah. We're all we're all winners. 
Raw winners, but... We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. This is also your friendly reminder, AK, as well as everybody watching right now. These points, like Sean said about the Tashira Prahashka fight, it's fun. They're fun. They're, tor- they're turning points, if you will. They're forks in the road because you all, our lovely viewing audience, you will decide the winner at the end of this thing. A poll will pop up, then you will vote, and whoever has the highest percentage wins. So we're going to play a new game on BTL, which I'm very excited about. Anytime we can incorporate game show type of themes, that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to play a game called Which One is More True? Yes, indeed. And how this works is I will present a couple of different options about a UFC 275 storyline. And you, AK, and you, Sean, have to decide which option is the most true or most likely to happen if you had to predict. So, AK, we'll begin with you. We had two title fights. Both have an argument that an immediate rematch should happen. So we'll start here, AK. Which statement is more true? Glover Teixeira will get an immediate rematch. Tyler Santos' next fight will be against Valentina Shevchenko or whoever is the champion when she's set to return. Both will get title shots slash rematches in their next fight. Or option D, none of them will get that opportunity in their next fight. I'm kind of, I'm glad you gave us that last option, because when you were when you the way you laid it out, Mike, I was scared. I was scared I was gonna have to pick one or the other, and maybe I still should. 
You know, it's funny. We do a. It's only it, Mike. If only you and I did like a matchmaking show, that where I could have already like sort of put some thought into this. Um, it, it's 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 really starting to look like. I'll I'll go. You know what, Valentina? Well, let's let's go, Valentina. Valentina and Talos Santos will have an immediate rematch. If only because. I'll, I'll get this my other way first, and then I'll say why not the uh, Glover uh, Glover rematch. If only because the uh, you know the Pena Nunez rematch is a is a bit away. If uh, Nunez wins, they're probably going to set up a trilogy. So I don't know if that eliminates you know Shevchenko's chances of finally going up and getting that you know going for that second title. It it, it, it feels like that's still not quite in her control. And Dana White, when he was talking about that possibility, everyone said if he if she beat. Everyone said that he said if she beat Tyler Santos, she could do whatever she wanted. I believe his exact wording was more like if if he runs if she runs through Santos, if like she really kind of just like because he was picking up Santos in the lead up to the fight, you know, promoting the a rare moment of promotion. And he said that if, if Shevchenko runs through her, then like clearly she can do whatever she wants. That didn't happen. I think that keeps the Santos rematch very much alive. Uh, I've I've written about it. I've we've talked about it on on other on other shows about how like I don't think the fight is uh, is anything close to a robbery. It is controversial though. It is controversial by by the nature of people are talking about it. I always like when people say is something controversial and there's like a million stories and social tweets about it. It's like yes, that is that is the definition of controversial. It means there's a conversation happening. Um, but it, it was not a robbery. That said, there's certainly enough people who want to see it again, and it was a competitive fight. That is no question. Even if you scored it, even if you did it like uh, Clemens Werner, who did nothing wrong, by the way, did nothing wrong with his scoring. Even if you scored it 49-46 Valentina, I don't think there's anyone in their right mind who would say Valentina dominated Talis Santos. You can say she had a, a somewhat convincing win, but was not a dominant win and especially relative to what we're used to seeing from her. Uh, their flyweight is just not at the stage yet where there is an obvious contender. Yes, everyone's talking about Misha Tate. We've said that uh, we're not confident she even gets past Lauren Murphy. If she does, certainly that fight is possible. Um, but again, that's that that's that's some even if Misha Tate wins, who knows who knows what what could happen? You know, she might need more time to recover, things like that. Tyler Sanders, we know, is ready. She is ready to fight again. She's had to get surgery on the broken orbital. But uh, again, barring any complications, should be ready to compete, I don't know, sooner rather than later. I'm not a doctor. Uh, but there's interest there. There's more interest, I think, than there has been in any uh, Valentina Shevchenko matchup um, to see her fight uh, Talos Santos. So we talked about, hey, best case scenarios with uh, the Teixeira Prochka fight. I mean, this was the best case scenario kind of for Shevchenko. Do people get, do people to get uh, invested in her? To see those cracks in that aura of invincibility and now suddenly be, be compelled by a challenger that nobody had zero buzz factor ahead of the fight like people respected her but weren't like super excited about Tyler Santos getting that title shot um so yeah so it, it's a great option there and as for Teixeira and Prochka I think Prochka and Blachowicz have been saying all the right things about let's make this fight happen in Europe let's get this huge let's sell out some arena some stadium somewhere Blachowicz was planting the seeds right after the Rockets fight you know he's being respectful to Glover but saying hey if uh if, if Yuri wins let's go to Poland we'll sell out 60,000 seats it doesn't. If you're the UFC, I mean, listen, you're you're aware of this being a possibility. You are licking your chops at the thought of a of this huge European dream fight. Um, so so I I I think they would rather if the UFC had a choice, they would rather do the Jan Blachowicz fight than do the the Glover rematch necessary, especially with knowing that Glover will retire because then he beats Yuri and then what do we do? You do the trilogy fight maybe, um, or uh, Glover retires right there and the belt ends up getting vacated. 
So it's, it's just not as appealing a prospect. So I'll go with one of them. I do think we see Shevchenko Santos to uh, immediately, not, not the uh, UFC 275 main event. Sean, to share immediate rematch, Santos immediate rematch, both get it, none get it. Where are you going with? I want, I tend to, if you would have asked me on fight night, I would have leaned towards both should get it. And now that we've gotten a little bit of space removed from it, I, I think I lean towards D, none getting it. But I will say if one person w- should get it, it should probably be Glover Teixeira, right? Because dude is 42 years old. We know, we we already know the story with him, how how far he's come and all, all he's overcome. He's probably going to have one or two more fights. If you're going to if you're going to capitalize on this window and really capitalize on again one of the greatest fights that we've ever seen, whatever you squeeze whatever you got left out of this guy, now would be the time rather than making him try to, try to fight his way back to this spot. Obviously Glover and Jiri, when they get together, it makes magic. The styles that they have combined with each other just are, are phenomenal to watch. I would love to watch that back. Talia Santos Tal, Tal Santos is young. She's going to have time, but also there's a, a an element to that that AK sort of glossed over that I think is maybe a little more important than we're mentioning, which is she has to have her face put back together. Like that's going to take a little bit. It's not something that we can run back anytime Rub soon. Some like, that, Rub some dirt on it. Rub some dirt on it. That was that's a, a pretty wound. bad injury. That's like, a flesh wound. I have the utmost confidence that Talos Santos is going to be in a UFC title fight again, probably sooner rather than later. But Maybe let's give her a little bit of time to to heal her body before we start throwing her back into fights. It's going to be a bit for her. Uh, and and we've already seen it from Valentina. She seems to have all eyes turned to Misha Tate. And I I think we can all understand why, right? That's a big fight. It's probably the biggest fight for her in that division right now. It's also probably an easier fight for her in that division, considering where, where Misha Tate is in her, in her career and the style that she fights with than a lot of other fighters in that division, if we're all being honest with each other. Uh, I don't know if Misha will get past Lauren Murphy. A lot of people seem to just sort of be putting her in that spot already. Lauren Murphy is a very tough fighter who, who's a, a tough stylistic challenge for Misha. That's going to be a competitive fight. But either way, I could see Valentina even trying to move up and fight for the 135-pound title, right? Like this is something that finally feels to have a little bit of momentum within the UFC and Dana White has always been resistant to this, but now he's finally into the idea a little bit. I think the Tyler Santos time will come, but it's probably going to take a bit. Glover Teixeira, I would like to see this get the shot because, again, I, I just want to run this back. It's It was such incredible theater. But ultimately, I bet the UFC will probably go a different direction with that as well, whether it's Jan Bukovic or, you know, Magomed and Kalaev, depending on how this upcoming fight goes. Uh, so I, I tend to side with D. Neither of them are going to get the rematch. But if you give, if you gave me my druthers and I could give it to one, I would give it to Glover. I feel like Magomed and Kalaev was maybe the biggest loser on the night without even having to fight. Because I feel like Jan Bukovic, no matter what happens, like the UFC sees dollar signs and they know Jan in Europe is a bigger fight than Ankalaev pretty much anywhere else. Unless they give, unless they do it in the Ch- in Czech Republic somehow and just give Yuri a hometown fight, then it doesn't matter who he fights. It's just going to be massive either way. But let's move on to another giant storyline from these top three fights. Sean Elshadi, Zhang Wei Li viciously knocks out and retires the legend in Ioanni and Jacek. And she essentially... Goes out and says, hey, Carlos Sparza, Dana said up next, Abu Dhabi, October, let's do the damn thing. And Carla has since said something to the effect of, Zhang, I'm the champion of the world. I'm not in your timeline. You're on mine. So, Sean, what's more likely true? Option one, mine as well, Mark, Carlos Sparza, Zhang Wei Li in October in Abu Dhabi on your calendars right now. Option two, Esparla Wei Li after October. Or option three, 
Esparza versus an interim champion in 2023. No, I mean, I'm sure that the, the, the third option is not going to happen. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, it's going to be at the end of the year. I don't know the exact timing, but regardless, like Carla's going to go into that fight as the biggest betting underdog, maybe of a UFC champion ever. Uh, I, I would love to know right now. I don't have it in front of me, but what Nico Montano was when she was booked against Valentina Shevchenko. I think those odds were probably 10 to one, 12 to one, something like that. Maybe eight to one. I wonder if Carla will get that high. I would be, I would be stunned if it's anything less than six to one with the way things are trending right now, uh, which to me is actually really fun because that's just keeping in the whole spirit with this whole Carla Esparza run that we've been seeing, right? Like she has been the perpetual underdog through all of this. Even as she is sitting there as the champion now, there are people poking holes in this run and saying, you know, she should have lost two or three or four of these different fights with all these weird decisions, split decisions, majority decisions. Uh, so I don't know the exact timing of this, but as much as I, I, I personally wanted to see the Joanna story continue. I wanted to see, you know, Joanna Carla too. That would just be such an incredible symmetry. The way that that loops back around and the way stuff just comes back around like that. It's unfortunate we didn't get it, but I'm sure we're going to see Carla versus Zhang by the end of the year for sure. And by the way, before the fight was was off, Valentina Shevchenko was as high as a minus fourteen thirty. Fourteen to one. All right. As, as high as that. Um, and, and let me just say this, AK, because I don't want people to take this the wrong way. The last option is not me coming out and saying, like, Carla's scared to fight Zhang Wei Li. Not saying that at all. What I'm saying is we are looking at this from a UFC perspective through their magnifying glass. And if the UFC goes out and says, hey, Carla, we want you to fight Zhang Wei Li October in Abu Dhabi. And Carla's like, nah, don't feel like doing it. We've seen precedents that the UFC will just be like, eh, we'll just throw Zhang into an interim title fight against somebody else on that same card. Carla gets the winner, unify the titles, however they want to do it. So do you think we go on Wei Li's timeline? Do we go on Carla's timeline? Or does the UFC just said, screw it. Zhang's going to get an interim title fight on the date she wants to fight. And then we'll make it a bigger fight for Carla, unify the belts. How does this work? One, two, or three. Somehow, somehow. We may we may get as far as the like in the talk stages for Carla Sparza and Zhang Wei Li, but I just really get that feeling it's not going to happen before the end of the year. I, I I am I would be I would be really really surprised if it did. Again, as you said, not because we're saying Carla's scared, but things happen in the fight game to sort of prolong title runs sometimes to give fighters more time to you know properly prepare for a dangerous matchup we've seen this happen countless times and it's not necessarily one person's fault or the other it just it happens and and i feel like some strangeness will occur around any sort of potential uh carlos barza zhang weili fight and we won't see it before the end of the year and we will see an interim title fight yes because especially now so we just lost a Big flyweight bout between. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Not flyweight. I'm sorry. Um, I was. Uh, I was just thinking about uh, Andrade and and uh, and Fio. So, but but I, I you know I'll stick. I'll stick with that. I'll stick with that. I think there's a possibility, uh, even though um, Andrade has been has been has been you know flirting at 125. I think there's a possibility if she takes out, uh, if she takes out Manon Fio, that the UFC will just throw her right back in the mix at, at 115. Uh, I know that sounds strange, but she's just picked up that huge win over Lamoche. I mean, super impressive win over a rising contender. She has just been this fighter that can fight in two divisions whenever she wants. I think a lot of people have wanted to see her run it back with Zhang too. Am amazing win by Zhang in that first fight, but boy, it was it was so short and it was under such weird circumstances. 
and a lot of people really just didn't see it live because it was it, it was it was on you know uh, Asia time. It wasn't in uh, North American t- time that people are used to. Um, so I think they find a way to make that fight happen um, because I if 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 Andrade just smokes Firo, I don't think they'll run back her and Valentina anytime soon. I don't think she's that high and uh, she should be, but I don't think she's at the front of the flyweight contenders line. Strawweight's another story. Strawweight is another story. So it would be weird to see her like take out a flyweight contender and get a strawweight fight. But again, if we're just setting up an interim title bout with Zhang Weili and a rematch, uh, I think it's going to be very possible. Like I said, I, I, I like both divisions, flyweight. I like strawweight. I've, I've always been a big fan of both. They're just kind of in a weird, funky position now with what happened with um, with Carla and, and Rose Namajunas. And I think it's going to take it's going to take at least a year unfortunately before this gets sorted and even then that, that might be optimistic that might be optimistic we might still be in a bit of a weird funky place a year from now but i will say we will have an undisputed champion uh by this time next year uh but it will be resolved with someone bringing an interim title into a fight with carla uh, uh early uh, 2023 interesting love it love it Last one, IK, we'll start with you welterweight division two guys made some great statements opened up a lot of eyes jack della madalena jake matthews What's the most correct statement here, AK? One, Jake Matthews will headline a UFC event first. Two, JDM headlines a UFC event first. Three, neither headlines, but that's nothing to shake a stick at because they'll both have very fun and solid careers. Oh, the last option is neither ever headlines? Correct. Oh, I don't know. No, I I have to pick one of them. I I do think, of course, you know, you have the... Being, you know, from from another another region with a with a rabid and uh, MMA fan base is always helpful. And you know, once they can start, hopefully, making regular trips to Australia again, you know, there'll there'll be more fight cards there. And one of these guys is going to be at that level where they should be in the main event. Um, I'll 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 I, my my first instinct as soon as you raised the question was Jake Matthews because I was so impressed by his win, uh, by his win over Fialio. I was just blown away. People know I was doubting. I was doubting uh, Jake Matthews before that fight, like great, super skilled fighter plus athlete, but a guy like I wanted to see him like really bring out that, again, that that definition of fighter, that raw definition of fighter, that finisher. And uh, sure enough, it was just a masterful striking performance against a guy who's a deadly striker. So, I mean, and he's been at the UFC for a long time. He's peaking. He's only, what, 27, 28. Um, and he's a very familiar face with them. He's been around since he was a teenager. So. I want to say Jake Matthews, but I think uh, JDM, Jack Della Maddalena, is just a hotter name right now, and that goes a long way. And I could see him headlining a fight night event uh, if if they're able to pull one off in Australia within like legitimately within his next two fights. Probably not his next fight. His next fight, you just want to get him somewhere. You want to keep him busy. You want to give him another name. After that, you know, I'm I'm a big three fights in the UFC. Let's see what we have with this guy rule. So let me see one more big performance from from Della Madalena, and, and and I certainly think he can he can get it because he has a very exciting style, very memorable name that goes a long way. It's fun to say. It's a musical name, as 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 I like to call it. Uh, Jack Della Madalena. So that to me looks like someone who can who will headline eventually. Jake Matthews is someone. As much as I like him, I almost feel like they can also kind of take him for granted. He's like a utility guy, right? He's a guy. I don't know if they see him as a contender. I don't know if they see him as a star. They'll feel comfortable throwing me in an opener. They'll feel comfortable throwing me in a co-main, maybe, or, or feature prelim. Della Madalena could end up in that spot someday, but right now he's just going up and up and up and up and up. And one more either exciting performance or or a quick knockout. I mean, that's that has to garner a headlining spot somewhere, right? So obviously not in a pay per view, but uh, yeah, if they're if they're able to, I, th- I think a fight night. If they, could, if they could get something over in Australia or even even uh, the glamorous UFC Apex, I think it's very, very possible. 
John, who headlines first, Jake Matthews or JDM? AK, I, I don't know how you can mention Jack's name and like, hey, it's such a great musical name, which it is. And not mention that that's not even like the full name, right? He was saying on the MMA Hour yesterday that his name's Giacomo or something like that. Like I didn't even I don't even remember it, but it's amazing. He is an amazing <laughs> actual name. Like I wish he would go by that, which I know his manager Tim Simpson is pushing for because that's just tremendous stuff. Uh, in terms of the question itself, I said it on Saturday, and I'll say it again here today. Uh, I am so ridiculously impressed by Jake Matthews, and, and impressed in a way that that fight really felt like. One of those moments that we're going to look back on a couple years from now of like, hey, this is when this guy turned this corner and became somebody who actually really, really mattered. Uh, because, I mean, Jake Matthews has been in our lives for so long, right? He, it's really the Charles Oliveira syndrome or the RDA syndrome where this dude's been in our lives for almost like eight years. He was on the Ultimate Fighter Nations, Tough Nations, if you guys remember that. Like, I'm sure five people listening to this have heard of that right at this point. Um, and he was like 19 years old when he came into the UFC and he still has like a fairly decent record. If you look at his UFC record, he's won much more than he's lost, but it was sort of that, that pattern that you saw with the guys like a Charles Oliveira or Rafael Desanos, where finding his sea legs in the promotion, win some, then lose one, win some, then lose one. If you look at the last five, he's won four. He's only lost to Sean Brady, who obviously looks like right now one of the best welterweights out there. So that's not a bad loss by any means. And it just feels like he has become a full grown ass man, right? Like that <laughs> dude was, that was not a kid in there on Saturday against Andre Fialo. That was a grown ass man who put a grown ass man style beating on that, on, on his opponent. And it was incredible to watch just the ferociousness he was approaching we have never seen jake matthews look like that and that felt to me like a harbinger of something to come where maybe for the next five years six years seven years this is someone who actually really really matters at 170 and we're just going to be talking about him for quite a while he's he's paid his dues the ufc has really been patient with him in a way that i appreciate you you know you and i both know all of us know on this on this show that Sometimes they tend to rush these type of guys who come in so young, 19 years old. They've really, really been patient with Jake Matthews, and it feels like it's finally about to pay off. And I would not be surprised if Jake Matthews has headlined several shows by the time his career is over because it does look like he is about to turn the corner on his career and really push into, into title contention right now. That's at least my view on it. Yeah, Jake Matthews looked like a freaking light heavyweight in there on Saturday. And just like 4% body fat, looked like a milli, and fought like two, like 10 billy. So good for him, good for both of those guys. And there's other fighters that, that we could mention as well, but we have, to, we have to move on. The point for round two goes to... This is a Prahashka... Teixeira-esque type of BTL battle. The swings are unbelievable, but it goes to AK with the bold pick of an interim title fight. People love it. It's a, hey, listen, that, that's a cheap pop. People hear interim and they just get excited. <laughs> <laughs> I, hate, I, hate, I, hate, I hate that I had to reach into that, that bag of tricks so early, but uh, I, was, I was on the ropes. So that's just to, that's just to get back into it. Nice. <laughs> let's, let's, let's go to this Saturday because the UFC is returning to the United States. They're in Austin, Texas. Main event is Calvin Cater versus Josh Emmett. Big fight. More on that in a moment. But, Sean, let's start with you because I have done countless preview shows with many of the staff members for all of these fight night cards. And oftentimes we have to dig real deep to find something interesting. But we don't have to do that here. This is real easy to do, is it not? As far as fight night cards go, 
this is one of the better offerings the UFC's had in quite some time, is it not? I would agree with you. And in fact, I, me and you talked about this earlier in the week, just offline. I almost feel like this card is kind of low-key deeper than the card we just got, the card that was $75 that the pay-per-view, you know, UFC 275. The the stuff at the top of 75 was obviously much better. The top three fights there were phenomenal. But just in terms of general depth, there's a lot to like here. Like, there really is a lot to like here. First of all, the main event is absolutely sensational. It's getting slept on a lot, and I think a lot of that is because of Josh Emmett. He competes so infrequently because he is seemingly one of the unluckiest people in the sport. He's been basically one fight a year for the last couple of years because of injuries. But when he does compete, he is a monster. Like, I saw some stat this morning. I, I wish I could remember from who. I, I would love to shout you out right now. But that he is like 11 knockdowns in seven featherweight fights, which is just like the most of anybody in, in that span. Like, he's just averaging more than one knockdown a fight. Um, it, it's just in, he is such a powerful, powerful, explosive striker out there that it, it feels as if any moment it could just happen for him. And meanwhile, Calvin Cater, I mean, Calvin Cater is coming off of just a tremendous win over Giga Chikadze where it felt like the entire world just kind of slept on him and forgot that he existed for, for a good six months, eight months after that Max Holloway fight. And he really reminded people why uh, he, he was thought to be a contender on the, on the rise. And then you have Kevin Holland out here making his second fight at welterweight. Tim Means, like that is a sensational, sensational fight. We're getting Cowboy Lazan finally, the battle of, of these veterans. Adrian Yanez taking on Tony Kelly, which is surprising has like a little bit of a storyline now after after tony kelly's whole thing uh in, in his in uh, his, his girl's last fight his girlfriend's last fight so the whole thing is uh i actually really like this event i think there's a lot to like there and i think there's just in terms of low-key bangers like you could pick any number of them and, and you'd be right lots of like here ak don't save the gymnastics scale because i'm sure we're gonna need it at some point over the next couple of days but uh since this ESPN post-pandemic cards almost every weekend type of schedule for the UFC, I mean, top to bottom, this is delicioso. Yeah, I love it. L- listen, these uh, fight nights at this point are like a, are like a, a Ghostface Kill album. It's like they just get lucky sometimes and have like the right mix of fights. And like, it's not intentional. It's not like it's not like they they they're like oh June eighteenth, let's build the super strong card. Uh, for Austin, like, yeah, it's great to like, it's great to be back in Texas, but you know they have a pay per view in, in in Dallas coming up. That's really where their focus was on, um, and they just, I think, they just happened to put together this amazing combination of of fights featuring again contenders at the top, veterans in the co, uh, just like I think legends, I'll say, in the co main event. Uh, you've got some prospects on the prelims, and then you've got like just really good stylistic matchups on the main card, and it all and it all comes together. Um, and that's you know that's why we're so excited, and that's why I, I don't even think it's arguable. It's definitely deeper than UFC 275. Um, UFC 275 pay-per-views in general will always have that appeal, you know, of that big fight at the top, or at least, you know, two title fights, uh, which is becoming pretty standard these days. Um, so that's tough to beat. But as far as depth, top to bottom, sitting down from the very first fight of the night, and then, and then uh, you know, uh, uh, all the way, you know, building to a crescendo at the end, it's hard to do much better than this. It's it's just a really it's really a good looking card. And I the other day on on the podcast the uh, all bets barred with uh, Jed Jed Mashu, we were kind of talking about like what fight you know usually on every card there's a fight you kind of don't care about. I think the I think his exact question is what fight would you take off? I don't really have one on this card. Like I think they're all compelling in their own way. Like. Wh- it's it, it, it just, it's not to say that everyone here is like a future star or that every fan should know who all these fighters are, 
But I think like even if you didn't know who some of these fighters are, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Like maybe you're not familiar with um, Gloria De Paula and and Maria Oliveira, but I think that's actually a really compelling fight. Um, same with uh, Jasmine Justavicius, who I think is going to be a player at uh, at 125. Uh, maybe for some reason you're not familiar with Phil Haas and, and Duran Wynn. I mean, it's been it's been a while since Duran Wynn has been in there. I like that style matchup. Um, so so it's it's a little bit of something for everyone, which isn't always the best thing in MMA. Sometimes you want cars that are top heavy. Sometimes, you know, you want that boxing style built around one, you know, one or two fights. But since we just got that, since we just got a top heavy card, they really couldn't have planned this better if they wanted to by following that up with, again, a card that is more, that's more uh, well-rounded, you know? Main event, AK, Calvin Cater versus Josh Emmett. Big month for the featherweight division, AK, because we have this fight, we have Volkanovski Holloway 3 for the title, July 2nd, UFC 276. And then two weeks after that, we have Yair Rodriguez versus Brian Ortega on that ABC card, July 16th in Long Island. So the stakes are very high here, my best friend, but how high are they? Is this the number one contender fight or is July 16th the number one contender fight? I can't hear I you. Just, I you. just... I was trust me, you didn't want to. I was I was I was breathing in a weird way. It was that was that was, that was, in, that was intentional. Trust me, the podcast listeners will think will thank me later. <laughs> no, listen. When I I was thinking, I was I was deep in thought, so I had like a weird I took a weird breath. Okay, there you go. This is a little behind the scenes movie magic for people. Uh, I I'm really hard pressed to say that this will be the this will be a number one contender fight, if only because look, I've kind of been I, I've kind of been saying I don't know if Calvin Cater ever gets there. Um, I can, I, no, now there's nothing wrong with me changing my opinion on that, but I, I don't know. I'd really see him be, as this guy who is a fight night main eventer, a pay-per-view co-main eventer. And unless he rattles off like a really, really strong, like four five, six wins in a row, um, with a couple of highlights in there with, you know, wins over, uh, two, at least two ranked guys in there, all, all possible, all possible. I don't know if the UFC is, is invested in him as a legitimate challenger. Um, I think it's going to be a good night for him on Saturday. I do think that uh, I, I have I do I do expect him to win, and I'm and I'm, I'm happy for him and uh, the good people of New England because they're going to be dealing with a lot of heartbreak tonight when the Golden State Warriors um, take out the the fraud Boston Celtics and, oh. uh, have, and have to watch and have to watch Canada Canada Canada's own Andrew Wiggins hoisting hoisting the Larry O'Brien in whatever uh, junk whatever junky arena the uh, Celtics play in I don't kind of remember the name of it uh, so I'm really looking forward to that but. But it's fine. You, you get, they're going to get a Calvin Cater win on Saturday and just completely forget all about it. So it's great. It all balances out for you guys. <laughs> Jeez. Sean, what's the number? I don't one even care about the point. Baby? I don't even care about the point. This round. Right, well, you're not getting it. it. You have no chance of getting it. Forfeit. Well, go ahead, Sean. Forfeit. I don't want. I don't want your pity points. I don't want your pity points. Uh, also, I totally agree with AK. I hope the Golden State Warriors just wash the Celtics. Uh, tonight or whenever that game yes. is. I have stopped. I have officially stopped watching basketball. I didn't even know basketball was still going on, but I hope the Golden State Warriors just finished this so we can stop acting like the NBA is a thing that is existing right now because it's clearly not. Everybody knows that. Um, what are we talking about? What was the question? Uh, is this a number one contender fight? No, it's not a number one contender fight. Like they would love it to be a number one contender fight. Josh Emmett and uh, Calvin Cater would love for that to, to be the number one contender fight, but it's not. I mean, we still have Max and, uh, and Volkanovski coming up. Who knows? 
knows with those two guys what kind of weirdness is going to happen. I expect that Volk will probably win that fight. But if Max wins, then at that point, you kind of have to do a fourth one, right? It's one to two. It's, it's We're weird at that point. Also, you have Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez coming up. And I think I could guarantee for you that if, if Yair Rodriguez wins, uh, whether it's entertaining or not, the UFC will try to push him into a title fight. And also, even if Volk wins against Max... He's starting to talk about moving up and he's starting to talk about doing different things in different divisions. And it feels like we're reaching the point almost where the UFC might start entertaining it because he has been so dominant. And at this point, he is like one of the top three pound for pound fighters in the world. So why not see while he's still in his prime, how far he can stretch this? So, no, this Saturday is not going to be a number one contender fight, but it's still a damn good fight like that to me doesn't diminish it at all. Real quick, I have to turn this around after the Celtic slander, but uh, I'm. I'm so mad that you actually got me to think of a brand new award because I just I looked on the greatest website in the world, MMA Fighting, and looked on Twitter. So we're going to do this. We're going to pick one fighter outside of the main storyline, Sean, Sean, that you have your eye on. Who is the first ever Askar Moseroff award winner for UFC Austin in the most positive way possible? What's the most intriguing fighter on the card that no one's talking about but you're excited about. I humbly submit if that this is going to be a positive award with positive feelings around it, we should probably rename it, maybe. Uh, I don't I know mean, that how, that many, name- how many guys outside of this guy have made a fight night, like main card fight in his UFC debut this like intriguing and fascinating? Because I, I cared more about his fight than the actual main event on that card. But not for good reasons. I wouldn't say you cared for good reasons. Uh, to me, you look at the undercard because to me, some like that would have to come from the undercard, and it's the featured undercard fight. It's it's Adrian Yanez who has thus far looked incredible in the UFC. I mean, he is four fights in. He's gotten bonuses in all four fights. He is just rolling in that bonus money right now. And three of those were just extraordinarily violent finishes. And the one that wasn't was Davy Grant, and Davy Grant just kind of doesn't. You know, he's he's not going to get finished like that very often. Like he is a gamer. He is from that Glover Teixeira eating gravel for, for breakfast type of mold, right? Like David Grant, you're not going to have an easy way with him. So the, the Adrian Yanez at this point is one of the more intriguing guys in this in this bantamweight division full of intriguing guys. He's certainly one of the more intriguing guys outside of the, the main rankings that we sort of think of. So to me, I mean, this is a big one for him. If, if he can get this one, it's five in a row, six if you want to count the contender series as well. And at that point, we're starting to talk about – really fun fights for Adrian Yanez, right? Like we're ta- starting to talk about lower ranks of the top 15, maybe a tiny bit into the top 10 and just seeing how far this kid can go. Like he is still, I'm looking it up right now, 28 years old. Like he is just hitting his prime right now. Like this could be a very exciting contender for years to come at 135, which is just full of guys like this. And so for me, I'm really, really intrigued to see if Adrian Yanez can continue to be who it feels like he should be. AK. What say you? Joaquin Buckley. Uh, so this is as much to do with who he's fighting as to who Joaquin Buckley is. Of course, with Joaquin Buckley, I think we're still in that stage where there's like a ton of intrigue around him. Um, you know, he just had that split nod over Abdullah Razak Al-Hassan, where, you know, again, we got to see a little more of a tactical side of him. So that's cool. Like, are, are we seeing uh, him round out his game? Like, you know become a more sophisticated fighter not not necessarily just a highlight chaser and a legitimate contender so that's one aspect of it and then there's the other aspect could he just whip out a crazy ass knockout and that he's like he's done before so there's that aspect of it but that is not why that is not why i'm saying walking buckley uh walking buckley represents the forces of good in this bout because his opponent albert duraev 
I'm not sure how people know remember this. He 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 got a caught in some hot water some time ago for a video showing him and a pal of his throwing a cat between them. Um, I'm not a pet owner. Uh, I love cats. They're the only animal I can stand. Uh, I know I'm a terrible person. I just don't like animals, but I love cats. I don't know what it, I'm. I'm a cat person. For all the good and bad that that entails, I am very strongly a cat person. So seeing this video was very, was very upsetting. You're out on dogs. You're just. I, I'm sorry to cut in. You're out listen, on dogs. Listen, I've lost this round anyway. So I think now is the time for people to to see. You know the real the real man. I'm. I don't. I'm afraid of them. What? I don't. I don't. They, they, you know. I probably had a couple of bad experiences as a kid or something. There's probably some trauma. I will listen. I will pet friends' dogs. I will get along with dogs. But like dogs, I don't know. I don't know. They just. I. Where it's. It's not a good time. It's not a good what time. What about like, I have like a little thirty pound dog who's not like very uh-huh. aggressive. Like you would be. Uh-huh. You'd be scared of. Not him? yet. Not. Not. Not if she met. Not until she. Until she met me and then she ripped my face off. Oh my gosh! I. I can't. If you're out on dogs, we listen, might need to end the show. I can't keep doing listen, this. Listen, uh, this has caused me a lot of problems socially, professionally, uh, but I but I don't care. I'm, I have to be I I have to be honest with America. I don't. I'm not crazy about horses. Honestly, I, I'm not. They just scare me. Uh, I've never met an orangutan, but I think I bet if I did up close, we probably wouldn't get along. So anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying animals and me. We don't get along. I'm not blaming animals, but this is not me hating on animals. This is a me. This is a me issue. Okay. Animals and me don't get along. So I am not hating on animals. I'm not hating on people who love animals. I get it. I'm so touched when I see how much my friends love their dogs. My family, like, I'm like, I wish I could feel the same way as opposed to sheer terror or, or disinterest, depending on the dog in question. Anyway, this is, this is a whole other, I know. I'm sorry, guys. This is a whole other podcast we could have done. I apologize. (laughs) Uh, the point is, Albert Duraev did some very, uh, very inappropriate things, throwing his cat around. I, I don't like. I didn't like that footage. Um, he hasn't fought since, so he hasn't had the chance to get his comeuppance. This is his first time fighting uh, since that video happened. I believe. I think it happened after his UFC debut. So, or at least the video came out after his UFC debut. So, um, uh, Joaquin Buckley, you are you are doing this for all the cat lovers out there. Maybe pet lovers in general. I don't know, but I can only speak for the cat lovers. Uh, we are we are behind you 100, and hoping that uh, you get this W and, and teach Mr. Teach Mr. Duryev a lesson, please. But not don't don't throw it. Don't throw any animals. Don't throw cats. Don't throw any animals. It's not good. I thought we were gonna get some sort of applause, but maybe no. Maybe the dog kind of. I don't. I don't. You can't know. give that man applause right now. What are we talking about? I don't blame. Yeah, I just listen. I'm not. This is like I said. I'm not taking a hard stance on this and saying everyone should be like me. This is this is just my thing. Okay. Can we play the Sean Elshai just got a point music, Casey? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen. I don't. All right. We need to get you around some good dogs, man. Because dogs my, are like I, the, dogs are my, one of the best things on earth. Like my life. cousins, my cousins have the most lovely dogs, and I get along with them so well. It's just like a, but it's like a case by case basis. It's like I don't know. I just every, it's just it, I start from zero with every dog I meet. Maybe maybe your dog and I be best friends, Shaheen. But is this? Uh, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Wait, this is Shaheen. This is your dog. Fezzik, right? No, that's Fezzik, I think. Right. That's Fezzik. I've seen. Uh, I was about to say. Yeah. That's that's Fezzik in the truck right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Fezzik, I'm sorry. You have an amazing name, first of all. Uh, secondly, also, I, I mean, if stop, we're talking, no, Casey, stop putting that face up. Stop, stop, please. Now I'm now I'm feeling bad inside. If we're talking Princess Bride, Fezzik and I are on the same page today. Oh, there we go. There we go. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, listen. I. I <laughs> 
I got my dog like a year ago. I'm almost 40. First dog I've ever had in my life. So listen, sometimes it just takes time. It's all right. But this has been a weird little story in the Bantamweight division because we confirmed last night that the UFC, and let me get the language light right, Aljo, because we never said the fight was done. It is close to being finalized. A Bantamweight title fight between Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw, September 10th, location TBD, main event TBD, not done yet. That seems to be the direction the UFC wants to go. Dillashaw clearly wants it. Aljo is down for it, but he wants more money. If you just watched his video on YouTube, he wants to make sure he's getting treated accordingly. Feels like he's done enough promotion. Think thought he did a great job selling the last fight. He wants to be treated like a champion. He wants to get a little bump and pay. So he's out on social media saying that he's not fighting TJ. The fight is not done. So he's saying also has said he'd rather the Henry Cejudo fight, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen because not in September anyways, because Cejudo's back in the USADA pool. It's not going to be ready till October. But let's just say, AK, let's just say that we're acting as if Sterling Dillashaw is, is happening. It's done. Let's just say pen hits paper, ink dries on the books. This is a, either way. This is what the UFC happen. As the voice of bantamweight shine, is the UFC doing this right? Is this the right fight? Gosh, I want to be so positive here because it, it's a cool fight. It's a let, let's let's start from a point of, of positivity. It's a cool fight. I think if you ask the average person, do you want to see TJ Dillashaw fight Aljamain Sterling? Disca- discounting again, whatever else been going on in the division. Do you want to see this fight stylistically, as far, uh, uh, based on uh, um, uh, Dillashaw's reputation, based on Sterling's recent success? Uh, do you want to see the fight? Yes, it's a great fight. It's a great fight. We hope to. See, I think we'd all hope to see someday. And if we're getting it next, you know that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, I, I've always found it. I've always been uncomfortable with Dillashaw getting thrown right back into the title picture after a two-year drug suspension and after a, a very close. Super exciting, super exciting, but very close win over uh, Corey Sanhagen, which I know a lot of, of uh, MMA fighting crew definitely did not score it for <laughs> did not score that fight for TJ Dillashaw. I thought it was closer than people, uh, you know. I, I did not think it was a robbery, but I do know a lot of big chunk of the MMA media had it for for Sanhagen, which is fine. So that's two. That's two kind of weird question marks, right? That 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 we, we are rewarding a guy. Yeah, he did the time, and yes, he's a former a two time champion. He's been in countless big fights, and at least as far as as um, mid tier uh, stars go, is is a draw in that sense. You know, he's not like he's not going to sell a million pay per views, but is he a bigger name? Uh, I was going to say is he a bigger name than Jose Aldo? And it's like, is he really? Because so this is where we get to the negative side of it. Because all of us, I think, wanted to see Jose Aldo get that shot. Like how much time? How much as opposed to any of in this very difficult fight with uh Marab Davalishvili, you know, that that is uh, supposedly coming up. So i I I'm I'm sort of conflicted on this. I'll I'll, le- I'll side with the UFC if only for the reasons I, I listed above that Dillashaw is the quote unquote bigger name. How much bigger is he? I'm not honestly I'm not honestly sure. But that is at least sort of the thinking that's going on through their heads. There's there's a logic to that. Um He'll he'll be able to talk up a fight, you know. The trash talk I think is going to be really regrettable and like not exactly 
you know, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the rock level stuff, but they will talk. These are two guys who are going to promote the fight, who are going to do tons of media, who are going to, you know, break out juvenile insults and memes and what have you. And the UFC loves that. The UFC loves, in lieu of actual marketing and promotion, the UFC loves when fighters get their hands dirty. And, you know, and I was going to say not cross the line, but they don't even care if they cross the line sometimes. Uh, that code of conduct is, you know, uh, exists in theory and tj and, and aljamain aren't the sort to again do anything uh, too crazy in that regards anyway so yes from the most sort of um again positive and sort of uh brass tax way of looking at it this is a, the, the right fight to make um again i really don't know what's going on with the josie aldo situation the marab the whole marab thing is very confusing to me but if 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 dillashaw is the way they chose to go with it it's not a bad main event at all and uh, again when the fight comes around I imagine everyone will be super excited about it and and not too uh, you know not too worried about what could have been. Is this the right fight, Sean? Is this the way you would go if you had the the magic pencil? No, no, it's not the right fight. And like, so like, I'll start by saying, obviously, we all understand what the UFC is doing, right? Like, and with with I, it's funny. AK ends with like, by the time it comes, everyone will be excited for it. Sure, it's a fun matchup. It's an interesting stylistic matchup. Everyone will be excited for any matchup by the time comes. That's what we do. We talk ourselves into this over the course of the week, and then by Saturday, we're we're all just ready for it, right? Like that's our pattern every single week. We talk ourselves into whatever's going on. But is that 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 wasn't the right fight, and it shouldn't have been the right fight. What did T, what has TJ Dillashaw done over the last four years? Like he has one win over the last four years, and it was a fight he definitely shouldn't have win. AK doesn't want to call it a robbery. I'll call it a robbery. Like if you want to look at that Sanhagen fight and judge that Sanhagen fight with how we have been just it has been pounded into us over the last year and a half, what is the thing that matters most in these fights? Damage. Damage, damage, damage. Doesn't matter about volume, damage. Damage is above all else. Corey, Corey Sanhagen did so much more damage than TJ Dillashaw in that fight. Like, that should have very clearly been a Corey Sanhagen win. TJ Dillashaw essentially cheated his ass off, got suspended for two years, came back, barely won a fight he shouldn't have won, and now all of a sudden is being ushered into the title shot because he has the resume, the legacy, and he is a bigger name who will talk shit much more than Jose Aldo would in the UFC. You know, the UFC wants that and likes that with the marketing of their fights. I understand it. We all understand why he's getting this fight, but it, it's a, it 100% should have been Jose Aldo. Uh, the, the, if, again, this is the greatest featherweight of all time. This is a legend of the sport who is having just this crazy end of career moment, much like a Glover Teixeira or much like someone else where he's going on a run at 35 that no one expected him to ever go on. The three wins he has are actually really good wins. Cheeto Vera, Pedro Munoz, Rob Font. The Rob Font one in particular was incredibly impressive and in and at that time rob font was like the number four number three guy and now all of a sudden we're having aldo fight down in the rankings if he gets ends up with that marab fight rather than fighting up and i actually like that marab fight for him because of all those incredible takedown defense and i think stylistically it may play into his favor but ultimately he should have been the guy fighting for this title it just wouldn't have sold as much so you understand why the ufc didn't do it but just on a on a, a general like who deserves it more tj dillashaw does not deserve this title any more than anyone else uh, several figures within the division have sort of pointed this out and said like why is this guy getting this treatment other than the fact of you know his past that sort of thing it should have been dillashaw but we all knew it was going to be dillashaw so it's not surprising that ultimately it is dillashaw so let's talk about a name that I just love to talk about if you uh, listen to Hack of a Morning. One name that has not really been mentioned in this whole thing, Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo. So let's just say he does indeed actually want to fight Sean. 
All right. And we see all these other fights in the books because we're running out of names that this guy could fight right now. Looks like there's one guy that's not attached to anybody right now, Sean. His name is Piotr Jan. Do we do Jan Cejudo? Is that a fight Cejudo would actually take? Or is Cejudo just not fighting anybody unless the title's on the line? So I would like to do that. So that's an interesting question the way you phrased it because I would love that fight. That to me feels like an easy number one contender fight. You could sell that. The the stylistic matchup is very nice. See where Henry's at compared to the rest of the current 135-pound division, right? I think a lot of people still consider Peter Jan the obvious number two. Will Henry accept that fight is a different question because I don't know, right? That is a high, high, high-risk fight if you're getting a heavily motivated Peter Yan coming in here to try to get his title back for your first fight back in several years, that's a tough ask for anybody. I don't know if Henry would accept that fight. Kudos to him if he would, but I actually really dig that little piece of matchmaking you did because you're right. That makes a lot of sense, and I would love to see it, frankly. And I've, I've not been very kind to Henry Cejudo, AK, as, as you have heard throughout these heck of morning episodes just because and i'm not downgrading what the man has accomplished in his career because he has accomplished a lot in his career and if i'm the ufc i'm not giving this guy a title shot i'm not giving it to him because he left you high and dry and he shouldn't fight for the title after leaving you high and dry plus the promotion moved on it's not like they mourned for two months they moved on that same night and already put Piotr jan in a title fight so why don't we just do this now and I, my respect levels for this comeback will grow tremendously. I will believe it. I will shine light on Henry Cejudo. I will put this man over at the beginning of a heck of a morning if he takes this fight. Is this the fight that should be made? Will Cejudo take it or are we going to be having this conversation until somehow, some way, he finds his way into a title fight that he probably shouldn't get right now because of how he left the company? Mike, I'm with you uh, on the whole Cejudo thing. Listen, great fighter, great athlete, one of the great combat sports athletes of all time. Whatever you want to, you know, whatever uh, superlative you want to attack on there. I mean, feel free. He's done, he's he's had a great he had a great career, had a great career. Uh, that has no effect on uh, what should be going forward because he, he again, and I know you've said this a million times on Heck of a Morning. He just has no leverage. He has no leverage. He left him under such under the most like like the most satisfying terms. Um, for the UFC, essentially, like they kind of got some a big fight out of him. I'm sure they wanted to have him around for, for more big fights. But when he left, saying I'll come, essentially saying I'll come back for more money, the UFC was very much like, okay, noted, noted, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and they moved on, and they moved on, right? It's it, it and and you know, again, I, you've said this a million times. Um, yeah, listen, the, the fight with Jan is absolutely what should happen. I think there's almost no chance he does that they could throw an interim title on the line that might whet his appetite one again you're getting that title money you're getting you know uh, points and then it is even more officially a number one contenders fight uh about as official as a number one contenders fight can be in the ufc so i would i would love it if that fight happened i just don't get the sense that like the ufc again is 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 actively trying to make that fight happen like Piotr Jan, of course Piotr Jan is is like you know, I'm sure he's talking to whoever saying like, you know, is this guy coming back? If he does come back, I should be the one. I can be the one to fight him. Give us an interim title or whatever, <laughs> whatever needs to be done to get this guy back in there. Pay him what he deserves, blah, blah, Play us both what we deserve. Uh, but the UFC itself, again, it's just like the division is so strong. Um, maybe it's lacking someone with, again, that kind of name power and that kind of, you know, willingness to sell as Henry Cejudo. But 
it's again it's not not that much he's not so like heads heads and shoulders above everyone else when it comes to marketing uh, himself or the division or the ufc um as much as he says he is like oh i saved this division i did that it's like that's all like that's like a all of that is like a half truth you know there's there, there's some element of truth to it but if you dig into it it's like he was more part of it than leading a lot of these movements right so it sounds so bad i i hate how much we have to we have to talk down again a guy who's won a gold medal and two ufc titles and you really just had a, a fantastic career um but yeah if he just comes back and just angles for a title shot i'm not interested in hearing it i would love to see him fight someone first and if it's peter jan i mean you really just can't do better than that let, let, let's let's create this this you know this uh, sort of four-man tournament and let's let's go from there you would think the Jan fight would kind of excite him a little bit after what Sterling did to him on the ground and the the the, the ease he was able to get takedowns and take his back. You would think if you're Cejudo, you're like, all right, I feel like him coming off this this tough loss. This is now the time to take this fight. But we'll see what happens. Bantamweight's fun. We'll see if Aljo ends up fighting Dillashaw. I don't know how much clout he's going to have in this situation. I'm guessing not a ton, but maybe he gets what he wants. Hopefully he gets more money. That's what we should want for all these fighters. Point for round four goes to AK Antoine Walker Lee. There we go. Go Celtics. Go Celtics. Go dogs. That's right. That's right. Time for the knockout round, everybody. I have playoff softball, so I'm getting all ramped up right now mentally. Big playoff games tonight. Get a drive to the island. I'm getting ready for this. But knockout round. It's going to be the same question for both guys. AK, you gave me a question idea, which I really liked, but the new cycle put us in a different direction, so I'm going a different way. I love your idea, though. Hang on to that. We will use it at another time. I'm sure we're going to need it. But each gentleman will have one minute to answer this question. Once we get to that and that is complete, you guys will vote on who will win, and Casey will come on and announce the winner. So... AK, I was going to let you go first because you're my best friend, but you said awful, awful things about the Celtics, <laughs> called them frauds. Uh, Sean, at least with his hatred of the Celtics, was his hatred for the NBA right now because it's, it's just global. He just wants to, he just wants the season to be over. It's not because he dislikes the Celtics, although he might a little bit. So, Sean, you get to decide. Do you want to go first or do you want to pass it on over to AK? Uh, I'll go second. AK can go for okay. it. AK, my best friend. Come on in here. If you could be one member of the Boston Celtics, no, I'm just kidding. Here's the question. <laughs> so Jalen Brown. We found we found out yesterday that one of the biggest what ifs in UFC history, Zabit Magomed Sharapov, has officially announced his retirement from professional sports competition. He made a statement confirming such. We reported it yesterday. We thought this might happen. Signs are pointing towards this happening, and it is official. It's a beat Magomed Sharapov, no longer a UFC fighter, no longer a featherweight, no longer a guy knocking on the door of a title shot. Now, he has been in some interesting matchups. He's been booked in a number of fights that didn't happen. So I'm curious, AK, with Zabit moving on to a different profession with one minute on the clock, what's the fight that got away in your eyes? What's the Zabit fight that you've always wanted to see? that you never got? What was that most intriguing matchup, that fantasy matchmaking for Zabit that just never came to be because it's not going to come to be because Zabit has walked away on his own terms and we applaud him for that. One minute on the clock. Your time starts now. 
I'm staying right inside the box, and I'm just going with Yair Rodriguez. Uh, it's a fight that was talked about for so long. Uh, it was the most recent fight that uh, Zabit was actually tied to. I can't remember if it was actually announced or signed or whatever, but we all thought that fight was inevitable. There was heat there. There was a stylistic matchup there. There was two guys who are just seem to be perennially on the cusp of getting like, it wouldn't have been a number one contenders fight, but if the winner of that would have certainly moved on to a number one contenders fight, it would have answered a lot of questions about Zabit. I mean, his two biggest wins, um, Calvin Cater and, uh, and Crash Bochniak were like, all everyone said, man, if those fights had been five rounds, he would have, you know, he would have lost. I think a fight with Yair Rodriguez would have been a fight night main event, presumably. They would have given him the five rounds. We would have gotten an idea of whether uh, Megomed Sharipov could compete in the championship rounds. It was just it was just so perfect, and everything about it made sense. And I think he would have won, and I think he would have gone on to a title fight. So, I mean, that's how, that's how much it hurt to lose that one. It's like the plan was there. Instead, you know what? Happy trails to beat. All right, we go over to Sean. I felt like Yair is probably the the easiest answer because it was booked so many times. You could do like a, a 30 for 30 or an outside the lines just on the booking of that fight. Yair in the UFC, he's out of the UFC, he's back in the UFC because of this whole deal. But now we're not going to see that fight. We're not going to see any more Zabit fights. So what's that one that got away from you from a stylistic perspective? Is there a certain matchup that you were hoping, you were clamoring for that is just not going to happen now that – you're very disappointed about on this Thursday. One minute on the clock. Your time starts now. Well, Mike, you're certainly right in that the Yair fight was the low-hanging fruit, right? That's the one. That's the easiest one. That's the obvious one. Aiken can go ahead and take one. That, obviously, we wanted to see it. Everyone wanted to see it. But to me, I wanted to see farther than that. Because when, if you guys remember when Zabit came into the, into the UFC, he was from day one talked about as this guy is going to challenge for titles sooner rather than later and i wanted to see him get to that point <clears throat> excuse me i wanted to see him get to that point i wanted to see him fight an alexander volkanovsky because if you would have put the two of those men together in the same room and made them face off the diametric opposites of, of just their bodies and their body types and just everything about them would have been so fascinating to watch. You see six, five, six Alexander Volkanovsky versus six, one Zabit Magomed Sharipov just facing off against each other and Volkanovsky having to look so far up to see this towering, just skin and bones guy who, who we weren't sure about his cardio. We weren't sure about a couple other elements of him. I would have loved to see just how far far as the beat could have gone and i would have loved to see that stare down yeah that would have been something to behold so two excellent answers happy trails again to the beat magomed sharapov i mean what a career you had up until the point and you're coming out of you leave with the with a hard-fought victory at home against a very game calvin cater and we wish you all the best in your new career as i believe a doctor somewhere in the medical professions so good on him I'm wasting time right now. We're letting you cast your votes. Poll on the MMA Fighting page right here. Cast your vote. Who wins? AK Lee, Sean Elshadi. In the meantime, tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern, UFC Austin preview show. It's going to be super fun getting you ready for Calvin Cater versus Josh Emmett. Really, really loaded card. So I'm sure the peeps are going to have a lot to talk about as well. We'll have another heck of a morning, 10 a.m. Eastern on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. So join us for that. And then Saturday, People's Pre-Fight Show. 3.30 p.m. Eastern time because we got an early start time. We got some afternoon MMA just the way we like it. Well, post-fight show afterwards, and then AK and I are back on Sunday to do some, uh, some matchmaking on another episode of On to the Next One as we get you ready 
continuing on the road to International Fight Week, UFC 276 coming up in a couple of weeks. Of course, don't forget about Matush Gamrat versus Armand Sarukian headlining that fight night card on June 25th. So Casey, are you there? Where are you? There he is. Right here, sir. Guns out, guns out. There he is. E. Casey Lydon. All right. Do we have the votes tabulated? Do we have a winner? Yes, we do have a winner. All right. All righty. Your winner on today's Between the Links is... Alexander K. Lee. Whoa! The people are never wrong. The people are never wrong. Did they did they not hear my anti-dog rant? This is concerning. This is very what concerning. What are the numbers? <laughs> what, are the numbers hey, what, guys, what is what is the, going on in America? You know what? We left it, we left it up to the fans. This is like the crypto fan award. Like we're rose on me one. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Listen. I told my truth, and I was ready to take a loss for that. I said, I, as soon as the, as soon as the words left my mouth that I'm not a pet person and I'm not a fan of dogs, I'm like, whatever. I've I've lost. I had actually forgotten that there was a fan vote, and when I remember later, I'm like, I'm screwed. I'm screwed. Like there's a, <laughs> there's no way I'm gonna win after that. So I don't know what is going on in America, but you know, it is a uh, worldwide vote. I don't know. I should say. I should say. Sorry. I don't know what's going uh, on in the world, but apparently, apparently, some MMA geek can say they don't like dogs. And still win one of the most illustrious shows in the business. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, here it goes. Look at the graphic at the top. Six wins now. Six what? Wins. What were the yeah. percentages, Casey? Uh, AK Lee won by 55% of the vote. Wow. All right. A lot, AK. Lot of, a lot of cat lovers watching the show, apparently. All right. AK. Say what you oh, got to say, I, man. I, 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 sorry, I was gonna eat my. I was gonna eat my record like a hot dog. Oh yeah, I mean. I think you did. Sorry, I, I think I, I was so upset about AK1. I, I forgot about the confetti cannons. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm supposed to plug something. Well, I'll just say, please, people, if you didn't already. Uh, well, first of all, I mean, sorry. I should say thank you, Shaheen, for joining me on the joining us on the show today. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I would be nothing without without a strong a strong uh, dog loving opponent, and. Uh, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. This was a fun show. Normally, I don't like being on the show, but if, if Shaheen's going to be on, I'll be on every time. Uh, I'll just plug. Uh, guys, if you didn't, if, if people did not read my rivalry review for UFC 275, uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus Talos Santos, I think it's one of my favorite ones I've done. It was one of, actually, and one of the easiest ones to do, frankly, for, for a fight that in, it was difficult to score in the moment. But watching it again, it was like actually really enjoyable to watch again and kind of break down why the fight ended up the way it did, why it was scored the way it did, and why people should not be up in arms about the uh, the way the fight was scored. So that is on MMAfighting.com, guys. Um, Robert, my latest Robert review. And check out all my other Robert reviews, because they're, they're, just, they're just a fun time. There you go, AK. Shaheen, any final thoughts on how the fans voted here? No, I mean, I don't know. I've lost, I think I've lost like three in a row on this show. Apparently, just the people don't like me. So that's, that sucks. Oh, know, no. That's a bummer. Uh, so that that's a great time. Um, no, I don't know. I was going to say, uh, ha- 
so on Sunday is Father's Day, obviously. This is actually going to be my first Father's Day as a father. My wife is incredibly pregnant right now. Uh, and so whenever our young one comes, I'm, I'm very excited for that. But also just a happy Father's Day to my father. It, I think it's actually the 10 year anniversary of him passing away. Uh, so I love you, Dad. You're, you're always in our thoughts and happy Father's Day to you, man. Dude, change the votes, people. Are you kidding me? Just hand the trophy over, AK. People hate dogs. I can't People believe that a dude who spent five minutes talking about how much he hates dogs just also horses. Also horses. I can't. Also horses. Also horses and maybe an orangutan. So you're getting like a true peek behind Command Center 4.0 because as the show started, I was like tan and not glistening, but as the show has progressed, I've gotten redder and shinier. And the reason is it is 112 degrees in this studio right now because the air conditioner has not arrived yet. So there's no AC in this new studio. I have three burning lights upon me and I'm just losing weight here talking to all of you. You look And fabulous. I appreciate you guys sticking around. You look, you look fabulous. Thank you. You already won AK. You don't have to butter me up anymore. Yeah, what is going we on? are getting out of here. Oh, the show's over? Oh, forget, okay. The show is over. Uh, I got to go win some playoff softball games so we can live to fight another day. We're done. For AK, you can hit the music. There it is. For AK, for Sean, I am Mike Hack. Thank you very much for watching. We'll see you back once again next week between the links. Good night, everybody. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn, I think, takes you home. Thanks for watching. This has been Between the Links. I love dogs. AK sucks. Go Shaheen. Celtics, they're all right. Whatever. Go Seas. Let's go. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.